the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800 516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. I like to try to do shows on occasion that, you know, stretch our thoughts on what getting to retirement is all about. I think getting to retirement is pretty obvious. A goal that Social Security was meant as a safety net some 80 years ago for people who, you know, got to the age where they couldn't work anymore. And as a society, American society, I, I, I'm a proud American. I, I think we don't want that to happen. And we give them money to help make ends meet. Social Security is small. You should count on Social Security to you know, cover maybe 10 to 20% of your financial income needs. So you need to save on your own. What's interesting to note about this was many, many, many years ago, People like my father and maybe your father. The boomers and the great generation. They worked their whole life and they got a pension. My dad was okay with money. He had some credit card issues, but he was okay with, with also saving. But the best thing that he ever did was join the military, financially speaking. Because you put in 30, 35 years, you get a pretty nice paycheck until you die. And when you die, your spouse gets a pretty nice paycheck until you die. So my mother got a pension, his military pension. He died 20-plus years ago. I'm not going to say she never worked a day in her life because she raised six kids. She, she worked many days in her life, every day in her life. None of us went to prison, as we like to tease her. We don't say none of us went to jail because that might have happened. But we tell her none of us have ever gone to prison. And all of us got college degrees. I was lucky enough to have a family that, you know, instilled, you're expected to go to college. Um, and we all did. 
I often say on the radio that I'm lucky I wasn't born in Dubuque or name any city in Montana or any city in Arkansas because I probably would never have gotten out. I've got a brother who lives in Shreveport, Louisiana, and he's got four children, and none of them have gotten out, nor will they ever get out. And I try to be a good uncle and say, hey, if you ever want to visit in California, come see a cool city like San Francisco and wine country and Silicon Valley and the culture that we have here and or don't have here. And, you know, Let's go out on a boat in the bay. And none of his kids take me up on the offer, not because I'm a bad uncle, because they don't have the dreams. So sometimes you have to instill in your kids the dreams, especially if you live in an area. Like I said, if I lived anywhere in Montana, there's a very good chance that I would be a fat guy drinking Bud Light with a fat wife who drinks Bud Light, too. And we'd be watching college football together. And after about 10 years, we would look exactly alike because we would eat the same steak. We would drink the same beer. We would have the same hobbies. It would be the most horrific way for me to end possible to marry my high school sweetheart. With that said, if you did marry a high school sweetheart, apologies. And hopefully you've stimulated each other enough through the years that you uh, do take time off and do have other hobbies. But if you watch college football on weekends, it, it, it kind of shows you the American dream gone bad. And what do I mean by that? <laughs> I know you're saying, you're going to do a comparison that ties somehow college football television into the American dream. Say what? Yeah, I know, right? If you turn on ESPN and you see that that pre-college football show with Lee Corso, and he always puts on the mascot's heads, you'll see thousands and thousands of people behind them. And they're living for that one moment, because... In my opinion, their life is so sad and pathetic that that's what it's come down to. That they are now at that point of the only thing that makes me truly happy is to see people who I'm not crash into each other and score and, and go for glory. Um, I get that if, and this is a big if, if you're able to have a career in front of that and not behind that. But I see a lot of sadness out there. And I won't beat on that too much, but, you know, my advice to you is uh, try to motivate your children as best as possible. Um, I think one of the best pieces of advice ever given to me is, is try to be nice to everyone. Uh, on radio, I play a character. I'm a little bit of a jerk because I'm trying to shock you into thinking about retirement. Um, in the past, I've worked with people who are screamers. In the financial world, they'll scream at partners. They'll scream at either direct business partners or they'll scream at people who do the trading or they'll scream at people who run the, the brokerage. They're screamers. In the end, people don't like them. And they've burnt bridges. And when it comes time to crash, people are willing to let them do it. When it comes time to, you know, roar, people don't want to give them the opportunity unless they're making money in the process because no one likes a screamer. 
So in life, try to be nice to people. It goes a long, long way. I've got a friend who was working at a college, and I'm not going to say it was a, a, a dead-end job, but it kind of was a dead-end job that had kind of a dead-end boss. And because she's an incredibly pleasant human being, you sit next to her on an airplane and you're charmed by her. Someone took her name and number and said, you know, I may know of a job down the road for you, and I'll contact you if it opens up. That job opened up. She interviewed 80 other people. Because she was nice and charming to one human being, she got an interview with 80 other people. Guess who got that dream job? She did. So think about that next time you sit on a plane next to a stranger. Instead of like, you know, putting on your headphones and going grumpy, you know. If it's like a 75-year-old person, ask that person, is this the first time you've ever flown? If it's a business person, say, uh, hey, it looks like you're going on vacation. Start a conversation. Try to be charming. Um, another great piece of advice that you know was instilled upon me by other people was there's so many experts on Wall Street and there's so many forecasts on Wall Street. Something else is going to happen. They can't all be right. In fact, only one can be right. So be careful when everyone loves something. Be careful when everyone hates something. Be careful when you can get 20 different opinions. I find it funny that CNBC will actually run a segment and they'll talk about something like Apple and they'll have seven different opinions. And how can there be seven different opinions? But they'll put seven faces on the screen in little boxes and they'll argue and scream at each other. Does that help you in any way, shape, or form? No. So you need to turn that CRAP off. You need not to see it. You need to not, you know, go, ooh, maybe they know something that I don't. Anyway, I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we could talk about. One of the things I like to try kind of do is slow down on occasion and, again, try to get some big picture stuff going. I talk about getting into retirement, about taxes, about investing, about credit and debt, saving, spending, real estate, your home, cars, college insurance, your business maybe. One of the areas I don't talk enough about is... Creating your own wealth. I'll try to do a little bit more of it. 
I call it wealth creation. I think there's wealth creation and wealth management. And part of becoming wealthy is to learn like market timing is a joke. A lot of people want to try to time the market. You know what I want to do? I want to work 40 hours this weekend, this week, and then have a great weekend. I hope I don't have to work 50 or 60 hours, and I hope my weekend's not, you know, compromised. I want to eat well. Um, I don't want to time the market. Why is that? Why is a guy who's done this for as many years as I've done this doesn't want to time the market? I've made a shout out to people in the past, like, hey, if you can show me that you can buy low and sell high on a three-year basis, I'll, I'll give you a, a good mid-six-figure job. If you are that market timer, that you can do it consistently, I'll pay you three hundred, four hundred, five hundred thousand dollars to do it for me. Market timing for fun and for profit. Woohoo! Who wouldn't want to have fun and make a profit a killing by getting in and getting out? Right? Now that would be more fun to me to go on the prices, right? I would have to do something hilarious. I, I don't know. Maybe shave Drew Carey's uh, face onto my head or grow a Drew Carey beard and then shave you know his, his image on it. I'd have to do something that is so stupid it's wonderful. But there's this huge temptation to try to be a guru or to listen to a guru. Oftentimes I'll, I'll say things like, I- I'm not your Buddha on the mountain and I don't know you. Why are you looking for specific advice from me? I can give you very good generic. I can teach you how to fish. I can give you the building blocks. I can show you how to build a house. But it's up to you to execute. If you called the market correctly every year, you'd be filthy rich. In fact, you'd be the richest person on the planet. If you were to call the market correctly on timing, even half the time, your return on in your investment wouldn't be too bad. The problem is that in most cases, simple statistics are often misleading. You know, you'll hear stories about a person who drowned in three inches of three feet of water. The man that he thought it, you know, his head would be comfortable in an oven. Uh, he wanted to put his head in an oven and his, his butt in a refrigerator. I think that would be the perfect way to live. Kiplinger's ran a study not too long ago where they basically put seven, they put people, you know, as market timers. And people who, you know, some people called a bull market, some people called a bear market, some people called it correct once but never again over a seven-year period. And when you miss one year, you know, when the market goes up, 10, 15% and you're out because you think it's bearish. You don't get that money back and you're behind. The trick of market timing isn't knowing when to buy and sell. It's, it's knowing how to be diversified properly so that when there are bad years, you don't get crushed. And that also means that when there are great years, you only do pretty good. The market goes up 7 out of 10 years. I want to lean that way. 
And then you're like, but Rob, the market's gone up for six and a half years. Shouldn't I be timing the market now? No, you should be adjusting your portfolio. And you should probably do that on a yearly basis. If the NASDAQ historically returns 10% and it was up 30, it was up 200% in five years, it's way above its average. So it's probably overweighted your portfolio. So you should pair some of that back. A couple of years ago when the market went up 30 plus percent in a year, I took some of my winners off the table and I bought some of my losers. And that may not have worked out for me in year one, but that'll work out for me in the next 10 years. So don't try to time the market. Spend time in the market. I think you should spend all the time in the market. Now, this is for wealth accumulation, for the creators of wealth. This is not for wealth management. If you've got $300,000 in retirement or you have a million or you have five million, I'm going to give you different advice in retirement. Um, be careful on annuities. I think for wealth creators, one of the things that I see is that they're kind of new to it, right? Because you don't have wealth, you're creating it. And what I mean by, you know, keep more of yours. You want to reduce your cost aggressively. The most expensive financial product that I can think of Probably a credit card, right? But right after that is an annuity. And typically people who sell annuities for solving financial problems are insurance people who don't know how, they're not financial people solving financial problems, they're insurance people solving financial problems. Hey, you want to get to retirement, I'm an insurance agent, here's this great product. It's an insurance product, but do I need an insurance product or do I need a financial product? You need an insurance product because that's what an insurance person is going to tell you. You insure what you can't afford to lose. Seven out of ten years, the market goes up. Why would you bet? Why would you want to protect the downside? Do you think we're going to go down for ten years in a row? Do you think your stock market's going to go from twelve thousand or thirteen thousand or fourteen thousand to zero? It never has before. So why would you think of it now? Well, I was listening to Glenn Beck, or I was listening to Rush Limbaugh. And they don't like that they're president, and they think that their president's going to send us into a, a calamity. Fair enough. You're ignorant. Cut down your cost. That's my advice. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more.
visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. What's on your financial mind today? One of the things I like to try to do, and I guess I'm, this is, should be called the Rob Likes to Try to Do show, is I like to try to let volatility work for me. So when I own a sector that's down 20% or 10%, like 2015, oil, it had a bear market down 20% from its top, from its most recent top. Same thing with biotech. I think a lot of the risk is out, not out, completely out, no way. But those sectors are suddenly a lot less riskier, and there's losers in those holdings. And that's a good thing. No sector is going to be so hot for so long that all it does is go up forever. It's not going to happen that way. Do I want it to happen that way? Oh, yeah. That's called living in Rob's fantasy world. Hey, I bought a stock at one, and it went to a million, and it's still going up. I'm just going to keep holding it. Nope. Not a good idea. Not a good idea. Also not a good idea when your wife gives you money to go buy a cow or milk to try to buy magic beans. Not a good idea. So where am I going at with that? Your retirement money should be your retirement money, and it shouldn't be your, <coughs> I'm going to go buy something incredibly risky. That sucks. Um, especially when you try to do that, and it doesn't work out. You know, after Hurricane Katrina... The usage of casinos skyrocketed after the federal government started giving payouts to people for their houses that got ruined. So the big winner wasn't people who, you know, rebuilt their houses and rebuilt their dreams. They moved. They gambled. It, not, I'm not saying they, but a large percentage gambled that money away because the government gave them a check. Don't let that be you. Please don't let that be you. Um, furthermore, on this idea of if tech historically gets you, well, let's say healthcare historically gets you a 10% return. Now, there's a healthcare fund for Vanguard that's gotten you know a good 16, 17, 18% on a regular, but on a pretty regular basis. I like healthcare is one of my favorite sectors. Do you know why? Take a look at people around you. I've got a friend who is so obese that he's getting uh, his stomach, what is it called, belted? Uh, not stapled, but he's in the lap band. And to him, he's like, oh, yeah, I had a hernia earlier this year, so I already hit my deductible, so I'm just going to go in and do it. Someone's paying for that. Right? That's our mentality. But also take a look at some of your other friends. How about the person that seems to constantly offer you, you know, his antidepressants or his anti-anxiety drugs? Here, I got these. I got these. You can have some of these. Um, how about the person that 
you know, tragically, and I see this way too often, I do a lot of charity work and I don't talk about it, but it kind of is depressing to me. But I see a lot of kids like born into just a lot of pain and suffering. And that's not cheap. Some of them have birth defects. Some of them have critical diseases. So healthcare is not going away anytime soon. It should be part of your portfolio. But in the years where it's up 20, 30, 40%, you should sell some of it and look around and say, what's down bit 20%? Hey, my friend biotechs, my friend oil stocks, they had a rough 2015. They may not have a great 2016, but you have a better chance of them not having a bad 2016 if it's already been smashed and whacked. You are rewarded if you are able to be greedy when others are fearful. You are rewarded when you diversify your holdings, selling some of your winners in indexes and some of your winners in exchange-traded funds to buy some of the areas that have underperformed. You know, I, I don't think that's a no-brainer. I think it takes a little bit of work. But again, trying to time the market's not going to work for you. The stock market has not had a negative 10-year period since the 1930s. There's never been a negative 20-year period. And that's why long-term investors are wise to remember, you know, the advice of Warren Buffett, who once said the stock market is a device for transferring money from the impatient to the patient. You don't have to buy, if you're going to buy an individual stock, you don't have to buy all at once. That's stressful as all hell. You know, if you like Netflix or you like Apple, and you're like, I'm going to take $50,000 and buy it right now, and then it goes down, and you see your $50,000 become, because it goes down 6%, becomes 47000 Well, let's say it goes down 10%. Oh, my gosh. I don't, oh, my gosh, right? Your 50 becomes 45. Well, what about if it becomes like, uh, where do you, where's your pain threshold? And you, you put yourself in a bad situation because you don't know your pain threshold. I once told a dentist, I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty good. I, I, you know, the drill doesn't really bother me. And then I had a tooth where the drill really, really, really bothered me. And the reality is I had only had two cavities my whole life up until age 40. And then I got, uh, like a root problem. <clears throat> and believe it or not, I had a root canal that was like super easy. Woohoo! Super easy. Um, but then they had to do touch-up work that basically about killed me. I thought I was going to pass out. <laughs> like, you don't know your pain threshold in stocks until you actually have to experience it. And that's one of those areas where I'm like, be careful. So diversify your holdings. Have a wide range of industry and companies. Every asset has some level of risk. With a diversified portfolio, you protect yourself and you minimize that risk. <clears throat> With indexes, I like to say, you know, all my, my 401k is all in indexes, right? Um, so if my healthcare does swell, I pull some of it down. I still put 20% of my 401k money every year into healthcare. One out of five dollars goes into healthcare, but when that one dollar becomes, you know, when it swells too much, I, I sell some of it. And 
I look at other holdings that haven't been performing or maybe have underperformed expectations. I think you want to re always look at, you know, when it comes to ver don't buy all at once idea. Um, I like the 401k because I'm buying literally every two weeks of the year. I like that. Um, I like that concept. Let's say you really love Apple. I own shares of Apple. Let's say you really love the product, and that's the one stock you're going to hold, and you're going to be in diversified indexes in your 401k. I'm okay with that. Just keep in mind, like, don't put all your eggs in that one basket, and, you know, don't buy all at once. Scale into it. There's no shame in buying, you know, Apple at 100, and it goes to 133. Buy more at 133. Suddenly your average price is 115-ish. It goes down to 115. You buy a little bit more. It goes down to 100. Like, woo! -hoo! Suddenly your average price is getting cheaper. Buy great companies. And I'm not saying ignore, but buy great companies is the biggest start that you can have to be in a winner when investing. Um, try to, like... This is a weird piece of advice. Try to get a napkin or a piece of paper and writing stuff down. Try to write down, like, all of your paycheck, all of your checking accounts. And, you know, I think everyone should have a checking account and a saving account. And you should be able to see, you know, a paycheck that goes in checking, for instance, and maybe you see the checking that goes to pay electricity, the checking that goes to pay cable TV, the checking account that pays the credit cards, the checking account that you should be able to like draw some of this. Bank accounts, brokerage accounts, credit cards, PayPal, whatever. You want to be able to write down all your bills and services, cable TV, utilities, Netflix. And start drawing lines so you can actually see how money flows in your life. And if it's too complex, you're doing too much. Uh, chances are if you can't write it down on paper, there's a very good chance that you can't explain it. You don't know what the hell's going on. So I have an account, what I call, you know, my poop and giggles fund. And all it is is a savings account with all my credit card rewards. So in my head, I've got a travel credit card and I've got a 2% cashback credit card, which I think of for me, the two best cards. Um, so let's say I've got $8,000 off on a vacation because of my travel card, and I've got $5,000 in that account. Those are all rewards. Now, I should say, instead of saving 15% of my 401k, I could take that 2% cash back and start saving 17% for retirement. But I do want to have a fun account too, right? It's my fun account. It's much smaller than my 401k account. I hope that makes some sense that you should be able to write some of the stuff down. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money investing and more.
listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. Anything that you want to talk about, we could talk about. I think wealth is a mindset. Creating wealth is a mindset. And I know I'm not the most fun person to be around most of the time. I get it. I've got a mindset that the people that I love and care about, they get gifts and they get love, hopefully all year round. And not just in the short term. Um, So I'm not a big holiday guy. And the one thing that drives me the craziest is cheap holiday gifts or holiday gifts that I don't really need. If you buy me a dancing Santa, I will hate you. In large part because that's just landfill. Um, There's recently a a San Francisco Giants baseball game where they gave away Chewbacca bobbleheads. I saw two parents, and this was fantastic. One of their Chewbacca bobbleheads got stolen. They went to the bathroom, and the couple in front of them turned around and grabbed it. And I saw the two of them argue where she's like, it's our Chewbacca bobblehead. And he's like, it's landfill. It's our Chewbacca bobblehead. It's landfill. We as a society need to stop buying stuff that goes to landfill. Um... In my opinion. It's I don't know if you can pull it off. 30% true. Um, but we need to stop buying. And again, every year I get someone for the holidays. Not someone, but I basically come up with a list of about 10 people. And I get three people gifts. And then the people, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, they get a bunt cake. And they get it six days before Christmas. I've got a friend that owns a nothing but a cake store. And my thought is people are going to eat, you know, foods during the holidays. Why not help them with one more dessert? Or maybe that takes a little pressure off of them. So I think it's a thoughtful gift. It's an expensive gift, believe it or not. Bun cakes aren't cheap. Uh, but I don't really care about four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten enough to, like, want to sit down with them. If number one, two, and three were male friends of mine... Um, they're going to get probably a nice bottle of scotch, and hopefully they'll share some of it with me. Uh, getting in that right right mindset, really important. And buying stuff that doesn't go to landfill, really important for our planet, but also for the people you care about. Give them memories. I've got a couple that came up to me at a seminar recently, and they don't have the right mindset. I said during the seminar at one point in time, if you're getting married, elope. Um, most of my friends are on their second marriage. They're good friends. I still love them. I'm glad I didn't go to their wedding and spend, you know, $100 on a Chewbacca bobblehead for them. Or a $100 a spork. Part spoon, part fork. Every couple wants one. No couple uses them. Uh, and they spent probably $30,000 on the ceremony and the dress They spent a lot of money on feeding people. And uh, I saw one couple recently, they didn't sue, but they sent a bill to a company that RSVP'd yes, and then they didn't show up for the wedding. So they sent them a bill for $140, $70 for each dinner. And that friendship's ruined. But my honest opinion is 
no one should get married in a church. Not in a church. Church is fine. Church is fine. I'm not saying that. No one should get married in a white dress that costs ten thousand dollars to only wear once, or it costs three thousand dollars to only wear once. Um, I've heard stories. Well, I still think the best way to do it is to elope. Go to Hawaii. Go to Vegas. Wherever you want to go. And in Hawaii, you can get like this island person, an island priestess. That'll say a thing. Malaka laka kanahana by the village of Kohoni Honi Papa Papa. I now pronounce you man and wife. And that, that'll be a good story. And you could even take a, a couple and say, hey, take, get some video of this for us. And then you don't have to pay for a videographer. You could just go to the college in Hawaii and say, hey, can, you know, I talk to the photography teacher and see if he can't get a student to come do it for half the price of a professional. I'm not knocking professional photographers. I think if you have a baby, you should get some professional photos done because that time goes fast in life. But I think eloping is the way to go. So this couple came up to me, and she's like, we've saved money for, you know, we're doing this and this, and it's a $30,000 wedding. I'm like, I think you're making a mistake. And she's like, no, it's going to be the day of my life. I'm like, no, remember the day for the rest of your life. Don't pay for it for the rest of your life. I'm like, you're 30 years old, and that $30,000 would be $60,000 by the time you're 38. It would be $120,000 by the time you're 45. It would be $240,000 by the time you're 52. It will be half a million dollars by the time you retire. And then at that point, take that money, and instead of having a wedding, buy a dream house in Hawaii. And go hold his hand and, you know, make love to him into the latter years of your life. And, you know, when I said that, nope, I want my $30,000 wedding. Fine. Let's see how that's going to turn out for you. My prediction, not as great as you think it's going to turn out for you. So, but I can't talk people into that. So, uh, people make the mistakes that they want to make. So, so I think having the right mindset, like I said, I started with Christmas and the holidays. Don't get into a situation where you're, you know paying crazy amounts of money uh, for long periods of time. And that's, you know, one of the areas that I'm proud of America. It seems like we're valuing the holiday season a little bit less and spending less on credit. I think if you have to put your Christmas presents or your Hanukkah presents on a credit card, I think you're making a huge mistake. Um, But up to you. 800-516-1220. Get your calls in the air if you ever want to call. Drop me an email, rob at robblack.com. Twitter me, Rob Black Show. YouTube me, Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.